Yep, you had to wake up today and flip that calendar over to the sixth month of the year. And we are officially, although technically unofficially, we're going to go ahead and say it right here. We're going to declare it right here on today's Y'all Show. Summer is here. Hello. Welcome to Summertime in the South. I'm John Rawl, and this is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Hope your holiday weekend was great. We were off the air on Monday as we honored our nation's war dead with Memorial Day 2021. But we're right here and set to go for a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday edition this week of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I am the general of all things Southern General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. Great to have you aboard. If you want to be a part of y'all talking about everything Southern, we've got a couple of easy ways for you to connect to us. It's 803-816-1170. That is the number to call 24-7. Text or call 803-816-1170. Go ahead and write it down. Stick it on the fridge, if you will. And whenever you've got something to say, well, right there is the way to do it. 803-816-1170. We also have an email address. It's M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Mail at Y-A-L-L.com. Drop us an email. We'll be happy to share your favorite recipes, what you got going on at the social events of the town that you're in, maybe a couple of good uh, family photos you might want to share. We'll take it all here on y'all, and we're happy to do that. Also, you can find us on the web. Our website is the official homepage of the South. It's y'all.com, the best four-letter word out there, Y-A-L-L, y'all.com. Check it out. Got great stories up, adding more. We're going to tell you about what's going on at y'all.com here on today's Y'all Show. And it is an honor to be with you here as we get this abbreviated week up and going. Glad to have you aboard. Let's tell you what's on today's Y'all Show. We've got a look at headlines across the Southeast. Joe Biden will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as on Monday they mark the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa riot, a deadly riot back in 1921. There was supposed to be a big concert out there. We'll tell you what happened there when we get to our political headlines today. But Biden's going to make some big announcement in terms of, I guess, reconciliation and more. All that will be here on today's Y'all Show. And then we'll give you the latest from the awful plane crash that killed seven in Middle Tennessee over the weekend. Included in that plane crash was an actor who was, I think, the Tarzan actor from the 1990s and a Christian diet guru all dying right there on Percy Priest Lake outside of Smyrna, Tennessee, just southeast of Nashville. We'll give you the latest coming from Middle Tennessee on that story. Another tragic story, four people killed in Alabama when a vehicle plunged into the lake there uh, in East Alabama. We'll share with you information on that. Also, two people killed, two injured at a fire at a Gatlinburg, Tennessee police officer's home from the Memorial Day weekend. Some really rough stories to report on here. But we'll move on to tell you about some of the bizarre stories of the Southeast, including how a woman has been found naked in Florida, and she's found in a storm drain, and she was found not long ago in another state in a storm drain. What's going on with this woman in the Sunshine State? Also, it is officially June, and do you know what that means? It means officially that we're now into the Atlantic hurricane season. And we have a report out about possible locations of the most risk of landing in this 2021 hurricane season. We'll share that with you as well here on today's Y'all Show. 
Also, a feel-good story coming from the heart of Dixie, a youngster there headed to the Air Force Academy. Before he heads off to Colorado Springs, he decides to donate his hair, and he had a lot of it, decided to donate his hair to charity. And a very good story coming from Alabama here on today's Y'all Show. And if that's not a feel-good story, how about this story from South Georgia? I guess they're a little envious of making Georgia's big chicken statue outside of Atlanta. So in South Georgia, they're going to construct a 60-foot-tall chicken. (laughs) 62-foot-tall chicken being built in Fitzgerald, Georgia. We've got all the information coming your way here in our headlines across the southeast. And speaking of being June 1st, for everybody in the volunteer state, go get you a big old piece of birthday cake. Today is Tennessee's official 225th birthday. And we'll tell you how Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee is celebrating. He's bringing in some Tennessee and country music royalty to celebrate Tennessee's 225th year of statehood here on this first day of June. Way to go, Tennessee. Happy birthday. Happy 225. Get you a big 225 birthday cake, everybody, in the volunteer state. And even if you're not in Tennessee, chances are you have family there. You have friends there. You have passed through Tennessee. You like Tennessee. I mean, there's what's not to like about Tennessee? You got so many different areas of the state, so many music features coming from the volunteer state. It doesn't have any oceans or big waves hitting the seashore of Tennessee. But, boy, it's got some great mountains. It's got some great hills. And it's got all that flat land in the western portion of the state. And and like I said, it's kind of, we'll call it the keystone of the south. I just gave it a nickname. Yeah, not Pennsylvania is the keystone state. Tennessee is the keystone of the south, or the keystone of Dixie, if you will, because, honestly, it touches so many states. And you kind of, in a lot of ways, if you're going to be making an east-to-west voyage, there's a great chance you're going to be going through Tennessee at some point. So today, happy birthday, Volunteer State, born on this day back in 1796. Way to go. And then we'll wrap up here in our look at headlines today talking about Caddyshack. Huh, the 1980 movie, what's that got to do with the South? Well, you better stick around. I'll tell you here on today's Y'all Show. Then we got sports to get to here in hour number one. We'll update you on what happened in the NBA on Memorial Day Monday, and it's not looking good for one of our Southern teams. Also, we'll let you know what's going on with the Atlanta Braves outfielder. Oh, goodness, he's in the news for the wrong reasons here as we start out the month of June. And what is going to happen with Atlanta Braves slugger Ozuna as Marcel Ozuna arrested and now is in a heap of hot water. He may never play for the Braves again. He may never play baseball again based on some of the early reports coming out of Atlanta of this star slugger. He's out on bond after striking his wife. We'll give you what we know, the update on that. And then we got a Turk Pettit update for you. Who the heck is Turk Pettit? Turk Pettit is a golfer at Clemson University, and he has just won the 2021 NCAA Men's Golf Individual Championship. So Clemson has another national championship to claim, and in this case it's Men's Golf Individual Honors. Clemson has won the national championship as a team in the past, but now Turk Pettit wins it for the men's, and we'll give you an update of which teams are playing today 
and the quarterfinal matchups of the NCAA Men's Golf Championship. And we've got roughly half of the field representing the Southeast, and I'll tell you who that is in our sports headlines. And did you tune in Monday to see the National Championship of Lacrosse? Yes, this sport, which is beloved in a large portion of of the South, at least along the Atlantic seaboard, what a nail-biter. Virginia gets the one-point win over Maryland, rivals there, and now Virginia repeats as NCAA lacrosse champions. We'll have the latest on that. And speaking of NCAA championships, the field announced Monday of the NCAA's baseball championship, and we're going to briefly touch on that here in hour one. But hold on, because in hour two, our college baseball barrister is going to be dropping by Matt Hermans, and we'll kind of walk you through the southern aspect of the field of 64 in the NCAA Men's Baseball Championship. That gets underway Friday, and a lot of sites around the southeast are going to be packed with fans, and it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to help remind us that we're kind of back to normal in a large portion of the southeast and college baseball up big time starting this weekend on the road to Omaha. All that here in hour number one. And, and and Matt will be on hour two with a detailed look at the college baseball field. He also, by the way, in hour two, is going to be dropping by to tell us a little bit about barbecue. Hopefully y'all had a great barbecue weekend on this Memorial Day weekend that's now in the rearview mirror also here in hour number one, we've got a quick look at Southern politics. What happened in Austin, Texas over the weekend? The Democrats walked out. I'll tell you why. We'll give you the latest from Austin in our political report later this hour. And again, more on President Biden's trip to Oklahoma here today. Also today on y'all in our second hour, we'll let you know in our entertainment headlines about the passage of a couple of artists from the weekend. B.J. Thomas dies at age 78. The guy that sang Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. He has passed away. The native Oklahoman, I believe, is where he was from. He's died in a, a sad passage there. And then the original singer, the guy that actually did the singing of Millie Vanilli, he's got a connection to South Carolina. We'll tell you about his passage in our entertainment headlines of today's Y'all Show. Don't miss out on all that coming your way. Also, we'll let you know about Jimmy Allen, country music singer. He has just gotten married and we'll tell you who his sweetheart is. And then on the opposite side of getting married, it's a divorce. And sometimes divorces can get nasty. Even years later, Brad Pitt in a little bit of a custody fight with his ex. And now he's been given temporary custody of his kids. Brad Pitt, the Missouri native, will let you know what's going on between he and Angelina Jolie in our entertainment look at things here in hour number two of today's Y'all Show. Then we also have before hour two is up today, a look at what's going on at y'all.com, the homepage of the South. Before today is over with in hour three, we're going to have a look at more sports information. And then we're going to do some live research right here on the show today. And we want you to be a part of us in hour three. Today is June 1st. Yesterday, Monday, was Memorial Day Monday. And I have done a scientific poll. I know it is scientific because I I looked up and I counted how many of our top 30 American-based corporations took the time on Twitter, at least, to recognize recognize America's war dead on Monday. How many of the top 30 companies? And what I also did is I trimmed out all of the 30 companies that really don't have a a consumer 
purpose, meaning they're some kind of investment fund type company. I'm looking for the companies that you might see in your town, the grocery stores, the restaurants, the building product companies, places you go in and shop. That's who I was looking for. So out of the roughly 30 corporations that are the biggest ones in the country, there was about 16, I think it was, that fit the criteria of they actively look for customers. So if they're actively looking for customers, they ought to have a pretty good Twitter account, don't you think? And a pretty dynamic, active one that goes out and and and, and puts out statements. So I went on Memorial Day and counted up how many of these big companies in America took the time on Twitter to thank our American war did. How many even mentioned that Monday was Memorial Day? And today is the beginning of a month that many of these companies are going to be recognizing a lifestyle, if you will. And I'm going to find out. We're going to do a live scientific study here on today's third hour of y'all. And I'm going to tell you, out of these roughly 16 companies, how many... I've got the results of what they did on Monday for Memorial Day, and it's not a good number, I'll tell you this. How many of those same companies are going out of their way here at the start of Gay Pride Month to tell you about that, but they didn't have the time to take tell you Monday, thank you to our American war did. We'll find out. It it may really be a, 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 a head scratcher. And I'll share with that and and. and if they didn't say anything about either one, I'm okay with that. I just like consistency, and I'd like to at least see some of our companies thank our American War Dead on Memorial Day. I would say one of our busiest and, and most important days, holiday-wise, of the entire year. May, may not be as big as July 4th, but certainly Memorial Day is a bigger deal than Veterans Day. It's a bigger deal than some of our other holidays we have across the country, like President's Day or Columbus Day, which many people are trying to get rid of these days. Memorial Day is a big deal. And how many of these companies took the time to even recognize it? I'll tell you here on today's Y'all Show. And before we get out of here, Kobe Bennett's got his latest Southern accent. It will be on the arts, and it will be coming our way here on today's Y'all Show. All right, let's get into what's going on across the Southeast today. And a sad story again from the weekend out of Middle Tennessee. Authorities finding now human remains in that plane crash at Percy Priest Reservoir, southeast of Nashville. This is a reservoir that is Stones River, I believe is the river that flows north out of Murfreesboro, ultimately goes into the Cumberland River upstream from the city of Nashville. And it is a portion of two counties, Rutherford County and Davidson County in Middle Tennessee. And now authorities finding Seven people's remains now in this crash that killed a Christian diet guru and an actor. And they were uh, actually a married couple, the diet guru and the actor here. But yes, unfortunately, we know that her husband, the the dietitian Gwen Shamblin Lara, her husband William J. Lara, who was an actor known as Joe Lara, who portrayed Tarzan in the TV series Tarzan, the epic adventures back in the mid-1990s, they were killed. Gwen Shamblin Lara founded the Remnant Fellowship Church in Brentwood, Tennessee over 20 years ago and wrote a faith-based diet book. 
I had not seen Tarzan the Epic Adventures. I've seen this uh, gentleman who passed away in the plane crash before, but I didn't necessarily tune in back in the mid-90s to see Tarzan. But the Laras there, Joe and his wife Gwen, were two of these seven people killed when this plane crashed Saturday at Percy Priest. Others killed included Brandon Hanna, David L. Martin, Jennifer J. Martin, a couple there, Jessica Walters and her husband, Jonathan Walters. Seven people all together dead in Tennessee after this awful crash of a Cessna 501. It was heading from nearby Smyrna Rutherford County Airport going to Palm Beach International Airport when it crashed Saturday morning on Percy Priest Lake. And they've been looking for remains and other portions of the plane for the last couple of days right there in the middle of the lake. And dive teams, they're looking for seven people and two of these seven known for what they've done throughout their lives, being an actor as well as worshiping and being a a diet author there. But seven dead in the state of Tennessee from this Memorial Day weekend, headed to Palm Beach likely for a, a good couple of days of a holiday weekend is I'm sure what they, the plan was there. And unfortunately, these seven people crashing just after takeoff there in Rutherford County in Tennessee. Now, another sad story to tell you about of loss of life here in the southeast from this Memorial Day weekend. Another instance of a vehicle crashing into a lake in east Alabama. We saw a couple of weeks ago right outside of you uh, fall i believe i guess it was uh, several people died when a car crashed on the border between alabama and georgia now another crash has taken the lives of at least four and included in that is two children when a car left the roadway and ended up in logan martin lake that is north of auburn alabama four people killed st Clair county coroner Identify the victims as 37-year-old April Watley, 18-year-old Mariah Towns, and then a 5-year-old Rosalind White and 3-year-old Reginald White, all pronounced dead at the scene. A fifth passenger, Reginald White, 39 years old, transported to a local hospital in the Auburn-Opelika area. Injuries for Mr. White unknown at this time. The victims were from Adamsville, which is... Not far from Birmingham, actually. 12 miles northwest of downtown Birmingham is Adamsville. They were believed to be traveling to Georgia for the Memorial Holiday weekend when their car left the roadway, plunged into the water near the 162-mile marker just east of Riverside. I believe that is the road we're talking about. Uh, No, this is I-20. Logan Martin Lake. Okay. Headed to uh, headed to wherever they said they were going. Sorry, Re- traveling to Georgia, and it looks like they ran off Interstate 20. So that would be between Birmingham and Anniston is where this happened on the I-20 bridge, a bridge I've gone across a thousand times, likely in my life, and not far from Oxford, Alabama, not far from Lincoln is the town where they make Hondas, and that's where this happened. There, So I said it is East Alabama technically, but this is more in the Birmingham area just outside of there. But four people now dying on this wreck as we knew that we would have a lot of people going off 
on the highways and byways, and in and, and one case in Tennessee, we said the flyways of the South, a deadly weekend to travel for sure. Two people have been killed, two injured in a fire at a Gatlinburg, Tennessee police officer's home. Another story coming out of Sevier County in Tennessee, officials investigating this house fire, and it happened on Saturday. The fire happened on King Branch Road. Neighbors in the area said after the fire started, they heard several explosions and the smoke ended up blanketing the area. Police today confirmed that Officer Robert Frederick was injured in the fire, taken first to UT Medical Center, then to Vanderbilt University in Nashville for treatment, currently in stable condition. According to a statement from East Tennessee, Officer Frederick, who has been with the Gatlinburg Police Department for six years, was injured in this fire. Officials have not released any other information about the two people found dead in this fire in Gatlinburg in East Tennessee. Two killed, two injured. One of those injured, again, a longtime police officer in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Our thoughts with the entire family there as they go through this horrible tragedy. Another tragedy, this involves a member of law enforcement. Funeral services now set for a Mississippi state trooper killed in the line of duty from the last few days. Trooper John Harris was struck and killed by a vehicle Friday in Madison County. That's just north of Jackson, Mississippi. Funeral services will be held Tuesday at 2 p.m. at Broadmoor Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. Graveside service will be at the Natchez Trace Funeral Home in Madison, Mississippi. Governor Tate Reeves said in a statement on Twitter that Harris's death is a reminder of how fragile life is. But again, a member of law enforcement, this time from MHP, killed while conducting a routine traffic stop. And another reminder, slow it down. Slow it down when you're out on the highways. And for goodness sakes, if you see a trooper, and I saw this when I was traveling over Memorial Day weekend, if you've got plenty of time to see it ahead of you, for goodness sake, slow it down if you're over in the, I guess, uh, right-hand lane. And and get over to the left-hand lane if the cop is pulled over on the right-hand side. And and in a lot of states, it's the law. You're, you, I guess you could be fined or thrown in jail if you don't do this. But I saw it with my own eye on Memorial Day Monday. A cop, you could see it from a half mile away, had someone pulled over right on the side of the road, on the right-hand side of the interstate I was traveling on, and a car did not make any effort to get over into the left lane to make it a little bit safer for the trooper to write out his ticket or warning or whatever they were doing. And it's a it's a dangerous deal. I don't care if you're a trooper or you're just pulling over because you have something going on with your car. Get over as much as you can off that highway. People just don't pay attention when they're driving. I would put myself in that category at times, sadly. And you you just got to be careful, y'all. I don't want to be reading about people getting killed if I don't have to, especially our law enforcement who are out here each and every day putting their lives on the line, not just because of the potential of being shot in some cases, but just the routine going up and down. The roads can be deadly, and then certainly when they get out of their car and they're out there writing a ticket or talking to you or helping you out, they might be getting out to help put gas in your car just to be a a good steward of the community. At least what we can do is get over and make it just a little bit safer for them. That's, That's all we're asking. 
help a friend out, if you will, okay? Especially our great friends in law enforcement. One thing you don't want to do is help this lady out, Lindsay Kennedy. Lindsay Kennedy has been found naked in a Florida storm drain, and this is two months after she was found doing essentially the same thing in the great state of Texas. What, what's going on with Lindsay? The 43-year-old climbed out of a six-foot drain pipe Saturday night, taken to a hospital. Her mother told a West Palm Beach TV station that Kennedy had been checked into a rehabilitation facility in Texas when she wandered off. And now this woman, who was missing for three weeks, rescued from a Florida storm drain and found herself another underground tunnel system in Texas. So I don't know where she got arrested, but she's got a habit of going into storm drains. Something's not quite right with 43-year-old Lindsay Kennedy. Her loved ones have dropped bags of food and Gatorade in nearby manholes in an effort to sustain her. She evidently is living in storm drains. And now rescued from a Florida storm drain earlier this year, and it looks like she was this time in a Texas storm drain when she was found this past couple of days. Do y'all know anybody who's ever really been in a storm drain for any length of time? I don't think that would be a a good place to be. But, yes, we have seen this woman have to be rescued for medical treatment and more going into tunnel systems throughout the southeast in Texas and Florida. I guess next up is going to be Alabama, Mississippi, or Louisiana storm drains as she goes back and forth. Kennedy was in the hospital on a psychiatric hold after this happened. Her family said she has psychosis and PTSD from years of being in an abusive relationship. I feel sorry for her. This, again, is a story we're telling you about today, and there's a lot of people out here who need help. This is a lady here that obviously needs some help, but at least she's alive. That's great news, and maybe she can get the kind of help and she won't be found naked in storm drains across the southeast if if we can – if we can hip it, if you know what I'm saying. All right, here's a story from Nashville that happened over the last couple of days. Kind of a dumb decision by the owner of this store off of 8th Avenue South in Nashville. But the name of the store is Hat, W-A-R-K. It's a hat shop in downtown Nashville. And the lady who owns this decided to put something out where people could buy a yellow patch that resembled the Star of David from the Holocaust of World War II, and this patch, this yellow Star of David had on it not vaccinated. And she has received a lot of grief. In fact, Stetson Hats, which has hats on sale inside the store, have pulled their hats from being sold at Hatworks in Nashville. And a lot of people started protesting over the weekend, and it's not looking good for this store owner here of Hatworks making this decision it's not something you want to joke around about the holocaust and i don't know what the owner of the company was thinking maybe she wasn't she did apologize she went on instagram over the weekend and said in no way did i intend to trivialize the star of david or disrespect what happened to millions of people that is not who i am and what i stand for my intent was not to exploit or make a profit my hope was to share my genuine concern and fear and do to tell that I can, and to do all that I can to make sure that nothing like that ever happens again. I sincerely apologize for any 
insensitivity. That coming from the owner, who I don't have her name in front of me, of Hatworks. Now, I will tell you a funny, I won't say funny, a, a weird twist. Okay, this place in Nashville is the only hat store I've heard about in Nashville that is essentially a hat store. Yeah, there's Western stores that sell all kind of Western stuff, and there's likely other stores that sell other clothing items. But this is a company that markets itself as a hat store. They are called Hat W-A-R-K-S, Hat Works, 8th Avenue, South Nashville. The, the ironic twist in my time living in Music City, there was only one hat store that I was aware of when I lived and went in downtown Nashville on a daily basis. At right around the same location, by the way, I think the st- store I'm referencing has been gone a long time, but it was owned by a nice black man who had a nice line of fedoras there in downtown Nashville. Do you know what the name of the store and the name of this man was that owned this hat store in downtown Nashville 20-something years ago? His name was Jew. It was Jew's Hat Store in downtown Nashville. And here, all these years later, we're telling you about a hat store that's got a, a Jewish connection that unfortunately, in this case, making it looks like somewhat of a mockery, and, and she's now apologizing. More to come on that. A lot of people upset about that story coming out of Middle Tennessee here from the weekend. Asheville, North Carolina, the obelisk honoring Confederate officer and former, I think, governor yeah, of North Carolina, Zebulon Vance, has now officially been taken down. It stood in Asheville for 120 years. It was a 70-foot-tall memorial to Zebulon Vance, and now it has been completely dismantled. And similar to probably New Orleans and Memphis, and other places in the South, where is this going to be taken? Is it going to be hidden away for the next 50 years in some warehouse? What is the plan for the Zebulon Vance Memorial? A lawsuit was filed to try to stop this from happening, completely ignored. And now this longtime marker, almost 120 years old, is gone from Asheville, North Carolina. And my question is, where is it gonna where is it gonna go? Where did the Memphis stuff go? Where did the New Orleans Confederate related stuff go? In warehouses, not to be seen again is is the answer. And I think that is completely wrong in today's world. There should be some place for public display. Just like there has been a public display in recent years of the Denmark Vesey Monument in Charleston, South Carolina, and this past weekend it was discovered that the Denmark VC Monument in Hampton Park in downtown Charleston has been vandalized. As city officials believe the vandalism done between Saturday and Monday, Memorial Day, they said the person likely used a large hammer or similar object to desecrate a portion of this monument. It was the base that looked like it was vandalized, not necessarily the nice sculpture of Denmark VC. If you don't know who Denmark VC was he was a formerly enslaved man who planned a insurrection in Charleston in the year 1822. And his plan called for the execution of white slave owners and the liberation of the city of Charleston in the early 1820s. Now, his plot was discovered and he was arrested and hanged for a conspiracy in the 1820s in Charleston, South Carolina. But his planned slave revolt 
happened just after there was an awful slave revolt in the New Orleans area, and a lot of people got killed. It was a really scary time for for a lot of people in that early days of New Orleans settlement. And a fear went throughout the whole southeast of slave revolts. And here was a case where Denmark Vesey really was planning a slave revolt, and it got discovered, and he and a bunch of others ended up being hung in Charleston in the 1820s and other things happening to kind of keep that from happening if it were to try to happen in the future. But now this marker there in Hampton Park has been desecrated, if you will, over the last couple of days in Charleston, S.C. Denmark V.C., a former slave who was going to lead a revolt. I didn't know that was even there. I'm surprised that I did not know that because I frequently go through Hampton Park when I'm in Charleston, S.C. If you have any information about this desecration of the Denmark V.C. statue, you can call 843-743-7200 and they'll get you right through the people investigating the desecration of this monument. Lastly here, and I look at headlines in hour number one, it is June 1st, and it means the start officially of the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season. The NOAA predicts states along the Atlantic coast will see another above normal year. Not good news for places like Charleston, SC, which I don't think we can blame a storm for coming through and doing what we just told you to the Denmark VC statue. But the NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, saying that there's likely to be above normal activity this year between 13 to 20 named storms out of the Atlantic. North Carolina and Louisiana top the list of most direct hits on the main mainland U.S. coastline. Puerto Rico is also right there in the mix of likely scenarios. So what more can we tell you? NOAA found that New Orleans has a 40% chance of experiencing a strike here this year. And other areas on the lookout, Cape Hatteras in North Carolina, Miami is likely to see or above average chance of getting some kind of storm fall here. There were 30 named storms and 12 landfalling storms in 2020, which was a record-breaking year for Atlantic hurricanes. And again, it is officially June. you got to be on the lookout for these things. And of course, no matter where you are in the southeast, a hurricane tropical storm passing through can be a very nasty thing and can affect you no matter how safe you think you might be because you live hundreds of miles away from a coastline. These things are so powerful that the old saying, man plans and God laughs. Well, that is definitely the case when it comes to the Atlantic hurricane season, which is now upon us with the start of the month of June. And we've got what we hope will be a easy couple of months here ahead when it comes to hurricanes passing through the Atlantic area into the Gulf of Mexico if they reach that far. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue on with a look at what's going on in the sports world of the Southeast. We've got some information coming from the NBA as the playoffs continuing there. And we'll have all that you need to know in terms of what's going on with the NBA, plus some college sports news as you have had the college baseball playoffs going on and more. 
we'll let you know who's going to get that going here as they begin their postseason on the way to Omaha coming up here this weekend, Friday. It's going to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday type event for college baseball. And we'll have all that coming up here on Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. Stay tuned. Find it with Burma. Continuing on with the Tuesday Y'all Show, John Rawl back here in the host chair after a couple of days of Memorial Day thoughts and observations and a little fun. Hopefully y'all had all of that as well. And let's tell you a little bit about some sports news. And unfortunately for Atlanta Braves fans and the team and more, this is a terrible story to be telling you about as we get back in here to start this first week of June. The Atlanta Braves slugger Marcel Azuna is out on a $20,000 bond after domestic violence charges, and he's been released from jail as charges of aggravated assault by strangulation and battery against his wife. Ozuna was jailed Saturday after police officers in the Atlanta suburb of Sandy Springs said they witnessed him attacking his wife, Genesis, while responding to a 911 call. During his initial appearance at the Fulton County Magistrate Court on Monday, Ozuna was ordered to have no contact with his wife. He did not answer questions from the media after he was released from jail. Again, this guy has been a offensive powerhouse for the Atlanta Braves, and he's going to be done, I think, for the rest of the year, maybe his whole career. This is an ugly scene that I think was witnessed by a lot. In court, attorneys said that the Azunas were in the process of a divorce. Genesis Azuna was arrested on a domestic violence charge in Miami a year ago. A statement from the Sandy Springs, Georgia Police Department said officers entered a home where the front door was open and heard screaming from inside. Officers said they saw Ozuna grab his wife by the neck and throw her against the wall, in addition to striking her with a cast on his injured left hand. Remember, he got injured a couple of days ago in a Braves game when he got upset and he threw his hand down on the bench, I think, and fractured a portion of his arm there. The victim here, Miss Ozuna, had visible injuries but was not taken to a hospital. Ozuna could face a big suspension by Major League Baseball, which plans to review the matter under the joint domestic violence policy in place between the MLB and the Players Union. Now, Ozuna re-signed with Atlanta after a very good first season in Atlanta in 2020, agreeing to a $65 million four-year deal. He batted 338, led the NL with 18 homers and 56 RBIs, finished sixth in the NL MVP balloting. And it looks like Marcel Unzina, certainly in a lot of trouble, could be done this year and maybe a long time in the future with so many witness accounts and obvious evidence that he did this to his wife or the wife that he was going through a divorce with at the time let's go to nba news on monday memorial day you had some games going on including one featuring the south's own memphis grizzlies memphis falls 
to the Utah Jazz at FedEx Forum. And now Memphis is one game away from being eliminated in the NBA playoffs as the Jazz outlast Memphis 120-113. to Jazz now take that series with a 3-1 lead going into game number five. Wizards, they were able to get a win. They were almost swept away against the Sixers. The Wizards on Monday with the 122-114 win in D.C. Now that series is a 3-1 Philadelphia lead as we begin the month of June. What's on tap here in the NBA on this Tuesday, 1st of June? you got the Celtics and Nets continuing their series right now. Brooklyn leads 3-1. That game at Barclays Center set for 7.30 Eastern on TNT. And it looks like Brooklyn can walk away with this first-round matchup with a win here on Tuesday. Nuggets and Trailblazers get together on the NBA TV network. That is a series currently knotted up at two apiece. And the arena there in Denver is where you'll see the Blazers and Nuggets having a feud here this Tuesday evening. And finally, along the left coast, you've got the Lakers and Suns in a series knotted up at two apiece. And Phoenix Suns Arena is where you'll see the homestanding Suns hosting the Lakers in Game 5 with a chance to move out and take a 3-2 lead with whoever emerges victorious here in the NBA on this Tuesday. Now to some college golf. Turk Pettit has won the 2021 NCAA Men's Golf Individual Championship. Pettit is a Clemson Tiger golfer, and he was able to beat Bo Jin of Oklahoma State to win the NCAA Individual Championship at Scottsdale, Arizona's Greyhawk Golf Course. Pettit is the second Clemson player in history to win the NCAA Championship, joining Charles Warren, who won the individual championship in 1997 in Chicago. Pettit finished with rounds of 68-67-68-70 for a 72-hole score of 7 under par, 273. Great job there as he has got the big win for the Clemson Tigers. Another championship there along Lake Hartwell in the upstate of South Carolina. Turk Pettit winning the NCAA National Championship for the Clemson Tigers. And let me tell you a little bit more about TP and his background for Clemson as he's got the national championship heading back to South Carolina. Turk Pettit is from Auburn, Alabama. How about that? He's a senior there for the Clemson men's golf team. Went to Lee Scott Academy in Auburn, and now he's the individual national champion of Clemson University's golf program and a national championship his family now lives in north carolina by the way but he's the son of kelly and kevin pettit national champion from the clemson golf program now men's golf continuing besides the individual championship that's been crowned they've got the team playing going on right now and i'll tell you that on this tuesday you have a total of eight teams in contention for winning the team national championship last week we saw the mississippi land sharks winning the women's national championship So a first for the University of Mississippi getting a national championship in any sport, and it was in women's golf. This week, it's the men's national championship also taking place in Arizona, and Arizona State will be taking on North Carolina in the quarterfinal matchups today. Oklahoma State and Vanderbilt 
also on the golf course today competing among the eight teams in the quarterfinals. Pepperdine and Florida State are going up against each other as well as Oklahoma and Illinois. So we wish all the best to our four Southern schools suiting up. North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, Florida State, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, five of the eight are from the southern portion of the country. Wishing them well in the national championship for men's golf. And then did you see the close game on Monday in the sport of lacrosse? The Virginia Cavaliers hold on to win another national championship, a close game against the Maryland Terps, former ACC member. The Hoos win 17-16 to to repeat as NCAA lacrosse champions. What a thrilling broadcast ESPN had of that one. If you have not seen college lacrosse played, <laughs> there were a lot of fans in the stands there and a lot of passion. And lo- the, the Virginia Cavaliers continue their remarkable play on the lacrosse pitch, if you will, and they get the victory over their rivals from yesteryear, the Virginia Cavaliers. Lastly, a quick preview. We're going to talk a lot more about it in hour number two when Matt Hermans drops by. College baseball, they got their playoffs beginning this weekend, and the regional sites were announced, and the number one seeds in each one of these regional sites, I'll quickly run through it. The number one overall seed is Arkansas. I'll tell you in hour number two all of the different teams showing up at these regionals. Arkansas is the host of the Fayetteville Regional. Louisiana Tech's got the Ruston Regional there in North Louisiana. The Texas Longhorns, the number two overall seed. They have a regional in Austin starting this weekend. The Florida Gators hosting a regional. The Tennessee Vols, they finished number one in the SEC East this year, and they've got their first regional on Rocky Top in some 15 years. So we'll tell you more about that regional going on this weekend. The Oregon Ducks have a regional. The Vanderbilt Commodores will be hosting the Nashville Regional. ECU, the Pirates, have the Greenville, North Carolina Regional. The Arizona Wildcats hosting the Tucson Regional. The Mississippi Sharks have the Oxford Regional at Swayze Field. TCU has the Fort Worth Regional. The Gamecocks of South Carolina host the Columbia Regional, but they're not the number one seed. Old Dominion, which could not host a regional at their own stadium. ODU is the number one seed in that Columbia Regional. Mississippi State's got a regional. So does Notre Dame out of the ACC. The Texas Tech Red Raiders have the Lubbock Regional and the Stanford Cardinal with the Palo Alto Regional, if you will, going on in college baseball. We'll tell you a whole lot more about that in hour two when our college baseball insider Matt Hermans joins the show to talk a little Omaha Road. (laughs) When we come back on y'all, we'll tell you some quick fun coming from social media and before the hour's up, a Southern political report. All this on Talk with a Southern Accent. Back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. You can connect to us here, 803-816-1170. You can connect with us and share some of your fun on social media, and that's why we have what we call hashtag Hullabaloo here on Y'all, where we find some of the great stuff of social media, and we just pass it along to all y'all. Passing it along, that's right. Let's go to David at David, 703-822-81. He is on Twitter, and David writes, So Southern hospitality doesn't apply in bars. 
If you walk into a bar by yourself in Chicago or a northern state, they don't look at you like you have the plague. Hashtag Southern, hashtag Houston. What are you trying to say? David, you come south and people aren't paying you attention? Saying that Southern hospitality does not apply in bars? That when you go to Chicago or northern states, they don't look at you like you have the plague? I don't know what's going on in Houston. It might be something you're wearing. You might be in Houston wearing one of them darn Chicago Cubs shirts or something like that. Likely not a good thing to wear, David, if that's the reason. So check that out if you're on social media, what David's got to say. Let's let's set the record straight. Yes, we're Southerners, and we're proud of it, and we're even proud and even nice when we're in bars, even in Houston, Texas, although he could have been in Houston, Mississippi, because he didn't say which state he was in. He just said hashtag Houston. And that, I don't know if I've ever been to a bar in Houston, Texas, or Houston, Mississippi. But if I were, I would at least say hello to some guy named David so he doesn't get on social media and badmouth the South. When we come back on y'all, we got a quick political report. Joe Biden heading to Oklahoma today. We'll tell you why. We'll tell you what he's got up his sleeve. All that is part of our Southern political report, and it is up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. All right, wrapping up this first hour of Talk About Everything Southern and our Southern Political Report here on this Tuesday, y'all. President Joe Biden heading to Tulsa, Oklahoma today, where he'll make remarks in regards to the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Over 100 years ago, on May 31st, 1921, a mob came upon black citizens in the Black Wall Street area of Tulsa, and it was a deadly outbreak that dozens, if not hundreds, possibly killed there in 1921. Biden will deliver remarks to memorialize the hundreds of black Americans who were killed by this white mob that attacked that neighborhood in 1921. He will also meet with surviving members of the Tulsa community, tour the Greenwood Cultural Center, and outline his administration's efforts to combat racial inequality in the nation. He's expected to announce new steps to help Minority-owned businesses grow and to address racial discrimination in the housing market, according to senior administration officials. But Joe Biden heading to a state of Oklahoma that not one single county voted for him in the 2020 election. Here's some news I did not know until I was researching this segment. Juan Williams is leaving Fox News. He's leaving The Five as he is stepping down. The Washington, D.C. resident and huge Washington Nationals fan announcing that he's stepping down from the job as Fox News host at the five and he'll step down before full in-person production resumes in the New York studio as he and others have been kind of doing remote journalism for this last year and Juan Williams the liberal if you want to call him that I've seen far more liberal people than Juan Williams out there on TV but he's stepping aside from one of the five's co-hosts. 
and it was always fun. Some people didn't like him on Fox. I liked him. I thought he he did a good job representing what he was there to represent, which was a an opposing thought. And he's leaving Fox. I don't know what he's got planned in the future. Now to Austin, Texas, and over the weekend, Democrats walked away from the Texas GOP's effort to impose voting restrictions in the Lone Star State. A state senator, Beverly Powell, saying, I gave grave concerns about a bill that was crafted in the shadows and passed late at night, and they pulled a trick there. The Democrats there pulling off a dramatic last-ditch walkout in the House of Representatives on Sunday that blocked passage of one of the most restrictive voting bills, some say, in the countries. And now that leaves Republicans with no choice but to abandon a midnight deadline and declare the legislative session essentially over. However, I think... According to Texas law, Governor Abbott can bring people back in and have a sort of an emergency session. So I, I think this one is not completely dead yet. But they're having, in Texas, like other southern states, a large sweeping voter restriction movement following the 2020 election and the Democrats walking out so there was no quorum in Austin on Sunday. And that is why that has reached the level that it has there in the Lone Star State. And lastly, how about this feud? NBA star LeBron James, he's trash-talking Orlando. Yeah, and the city mayor there and the home of the Orlando Magic of the NBA is not taking it lightly. The NBA player, he joked that he'd retire if he was traded to Orlando and play for the Magic. So the mayor of Orlando, not happy about it, and he's firing back. And good for him. The Orlando Magic's official account responded kiddingly to the tweet with the meme of Chicago Bulls legend Michael Jordan in the Last Dance documentary saying, I think I took that personally. But the mayor, Buddy Dyer of Orlando, he was more serious with his tweet about LeBron James. And he said that James hadn't experienced the other half of Orlando during his time in the bubble uh, which was in the Orlando area last summer, Dyer invited, Mayor Dyer invited James to lunch the next time he visits Orlando. The mayor said, you'll see that our community is diverse, inclusive, and vibrant. And one day, Orlando just might get back to the NBA Finals, especially if they have a guy named Shaquille O'Neal suiting up and playing for him. And that is a quick look at some political-slash-NBA headlines to wrap up our number one of Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back on y'all, hang on. We've got a whole nother hour. We're started off with some entertainment news, sad news from the weekend. Mr. Raindrops keep falling on your head, singer B.J. Thomas, dying at the age of 78, plus the original singer of Millie Vanilli, who was a native South Carolinian. We'll pass along the information about that passage. All that, plus some Brad Pitt news. All that, and Matt Herman's stopping by an hour, too. This is y'all. up and coming at you with our two of the tuesday y'all john rawl the general of all things southern good to have you back here hope y'all have are just up and going with a great work day many of you did not have to work on monday and so yeah you got the tuesday blues here 
going on today, but we'll get you through it. That's our purpose here is to make you happy and, and make you very proud of your part of the world. Coming up here in the second hour of y'all, Matt Herman's. He's set to join us in the next segment to talk a little food, a little southern barbecue, and more with Matt Herman's, our barrister of bodacious barbecue. That's coming up. Plus, Matt is also a college baseball aficionado. And it was just announced on Memorial Day Monday, the field of 64 for the College Baseball National Championship run to Omaha. And we'll get his thoughts on the seeding and what all is going on, his projection of who's going to emerge from this weekend to the Super Regionals of next weekend. All that with Matt Herman's here. We also have an hour number two, an update of what's going on at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. So stick with us. It's going to be a great hour of Southern conversation and a little fun, too, right here on Talk With Us Southern Accent. Let's start off this hour with some news about the entertainment world and Gavin McLeod. You know him from the Mary Tyler Moore show as well as Love Boat. He was the captain of the Love Boat. Gavin McLeod has died at the age of 90 years old. It was announced Saturday that he passed away. McLeod's birth name was Alan C., His memoir was called This Is Your Captain Speaking, and he wrote in that he considered his last name to be confusing, so he changed it to honor an acting teacher. So he went by the name, acting name of Gavin McLeod after a long career of being on the sitcom Mary Tyler Moore, a native of Virginia, by the way. He got fame there as part of the cast of that, a sitcom in which he played news writer Murray Slaughter, And then he went on to be in The Love Boat. Who did not like The Love Boat back in the 1970s? Yeah, The Love Boat, where he starred as the captain. And this is your captain speaking. He got the captain of of that ship and rode that off to a great career there. I think that was on ABC is what that particular network here. After The Love Boat, Gavin McLeod became an evangelical Christian credited his faith with following him to end his abuse of alcohol and reconciling with his wife, Patty, who he remarried in 1985. Gavin McLeod, who, along with Ed Asner, were two of the last cast members of the Mary Tyler Moore show, still left with us. But this veteran actor passing away at the age of 90 over the weekend, Alan C., his birth name, But you know him as the captain, and you know him from his time on the love boat. Uh, What the uh, was it? The little little fellow there. The I forgot his real name, but uh, the plane, the plane. That was always a fun thing. Is a as a fun thing to see when that show would come on. But uh, Alan George C., who was born in New York in 1931, passing away over the weekend. Another passage unfortunately to pass along here on today's y'all show that we'll tell you about and that's the loss of bj thomas the guy that sang this song right here raindrops keep falling on my head raindrops are falling on my head and just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed nothing seems to fit those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling so I just did some that definitely has the 1970s sound to it. Billy Joe Thomas, 
Born August 7, 1942 in Hugo, Oklahoma, passing away over the weekend in Arlington, Texas at the age of 78. And that song there, Raindrops Keep Falling Your Head, with a big song from the decade of the 1970s. Burke Bachrock and Hal David wrote that big song. And B.J. Thomas, a five-time Grammy Award-winning artist who sold 70 million albums worldwide, including that big number one. He had a total of eight number one hits, 26 top ten singles for B.J. Thomas. And that song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, an Oscar winner for Best Original Song that was used in the 1969 film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. B.J., the native Oklahoma, moved to Houston, and there he was able to blend his country alongside some of the great Houston sounds of that 1960s, early 1970s time period. B.J. Thomas is is survived by his wife of 53 years, Gloria. They have three daughters, four grandchildren, B.J. Thomas. Funeral arrangements are forthcoming. They will remain private. It looks like the burial and funeral will be a private affair. But, yep, sad news is B.J. Thomas, we lose him at the age of 78. Now, I'm trying to pull up some of the other big songs B.J. had in his career that stretched. His first album came out in 1966, and his last release was in 2017. He got started in the 1966 time period with the remake of the Hank Williams song, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. That was a top 10 song for him at that time. And then ended up having the big song with that one there was actually out in 1969, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, and it stretched into the 1970. But yeah, what a huge, huge crossover hit for B.J. Thomas. He also had number ones with I Just Can't Help Believing, that was a big song. Also, a number one with Rock and Roll Lullaby. And just so many good songs of that early 1970s time period, B.J. Thomas. And again, passing away in Houston, Texas over the weekend at the age of 78. And we also want to tell you that we lost the original singer of Millie Vanilli. John Davis was his actual name. John Davis was a native of Anderson, South Carolina, and he was a backup singer of Millie Vanilli and the real Millie Vanilli. And he died in Germany over the holiday weekend, and he died from COVID-19 at age 66. John Davis. Now, if y'all don't know who Millie Vanilli is, if you want to learn a lot about 80s and 90s music, Check out Melly Vanilli, the German-French R&B duo from Munich, or as they would say there, München. And this guy was part of this group made up of a half-American. One was got American roots. His father was an American serviceman. And the other guy, the, I think, was from the Caribbean originally, the, the two famous people of Melly Vanilli. And they both have actually uh, – one of them has passed away. Uh, the original Melly Vanilli members – were Fab Morvan and Rob Pilatus. And one of those, I know, passed away a long time ago. But this guy was the actual singer of Millie Vanilli's big song, John Davis, dying in 
Germany, but he was a native of Anderson, South Carolina. He sang the 1989 blockbuster song, Girl, You Know It's True. Girl, You Know It's True, yeah. And uh, that song became a Grammy Award-winning song for Best New Artist. They ended up giving it back because it turns out those two guys I just mentioned, Fab and Rob, were lip-syncing. They weren't the real singers. The real singer of that song was John Davis. And Millie Vanilli ended up becoming infamous for faking it, if you will. And unfortunately for them, their career ended rather quickly. But the guy that was the real talent there, John Davis, just passing away of coronavirus in Germany, of all places, where those musicians kind of got going with their career. Now to country music, congratulations to Jimmy Allen as he has wed his longtime girlfriend, Alexis Gale. They got married Thursday of last week, and they were able to join friends and family, including Darius Rucker, Tyler Rich, and others. Chuck Wicks, country music hit maker, also in attendance. Jimmy Allen popped the question to Alexis Gale back in 2019 during a trip to one of the couple's favorite places, Disney World. And they had planned to get married in 2020, but the virus kind of got in the way of that. So the couple getting married, they are parent parents to 14-month-old Naomi. Jimmy Allen also is the father to a 7-year-old from a previous relationship. Now, Miss Gale... Alexis Gale is a nurse who is from his hometown of Milton, Delaware, which explains why Chuck Wicks was there. Chuck Wicks had a uh, Stealing Cinderella was his big hit. He is a Delaware country music singer. So Delaware taking over country music. What's going on, Joe Biden? Congratulations to Jimmy Allen, the newlywed and the new marriage and the new baby that he's got there to Jimmy Allen wedding Alexis Gale on Thursday of last week. Now, the opposite end of the spectrum of couples being happy, Brad Pitt has been awarded temporary joint custody of his six children, according to sources, and those are the children he shares with Angelina Jolie, and now the Missouri native Brad Pitt getting temporary custody of six kids. Could you imagine that? The decision made a few weeks ago, and Angelina Jolie's legal team is appealing the judge's decision and it is a nasty thing going on in the California Appellate Court. A hearing is set for July 9th in the California Appellate Court. The couple announced a split back in 2016. They are no longer legally married, but the terms of their divorce have not yet been finalized. Thus, the reason perhaps that Brad Pitts will you know, come in here and taking away the six kids, of which I don't know how that happens, but it, it's evidently happened in California, and it's a, a nasty situation between these two big-time movie stars, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. When we come back on, y'all, we will continue the fun. We're going to be joined by Matt Hermans. He is our barbecue barrister, and he'll be on to tell you about what's going on in terms of barbecue, but Matt Hermans is also going to be driving by because he is a college baseball guy. He knows what is up in that sport. And on Monday, it was just announced the regional sites and the 64 teams that will be part of the College Baseball National Championship search. The road to Omaha. And Matt Hermans is up after this break to tell you all about it. It's talk with a Southern accent. It's y'all. And B.J. Thomas, the late B.J. Thomas, will take us to break. 
raindrops are falling on my head, they keep falling. So I just did me some talking to the sun. We got 24 tall boys on the chill. Yeah, 14 of them's mine. A little Marshall Tucker on the radio. You know, we just catch a little groove before the show. We ain't playing nothing slow at the parking lot party. A tailgate bus just a sipping on suds ain't ever too early to light one up, fill up your cup. Cause I ain't no party like. I bet a lot of y'all were having parking lot parties Monday, Memorial Day. Of course, we never want to forget the reason for Memorial Day, but one of the other things that happens besides honoring our fallen troops is a chance for family and friends to get together, do a little grilling and more, and that's what we like to honor here on today's y'all show now that we're looking back at Memorial Day 2021, and that is the memory of that great time together and the great food enjoyed. John Rawl, this is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, and our barbecue barrister is Matt Hermans, and he's on with us now to kind of recap how his Memorial Day weekend from a food standpoint went. But, Matt Hermans, we got double duty for you today. we got to have you talk a little bit about barbecue, but a lot about college baseball. We'll do that in the next segment as the NCAA field announced for college baseball. We'll get that take from him. But up first, a little discussion hopefully you had a delicious memorial day weekend oh i did john we had a uh, a lot of delicious baseball and <laughs> a lot of uh, delicious uh, barbecue over in uh, my neck of the woods as well it was a real great weather warm sunny it was uh, nothing to complain about it's a good time your neck of the woods barbecue means memorial day monday you had what <laughs> Well, I did. Uh, I did a couple different kinds of ribs. Uh, that's kind of um, kind of my go-to when it comes to barbecue. I did some baby backs and I did some spares, and they were both. Uh, I must. I must say, they were both uh, pretty enjoyable. So um, it was a good time. Really, really, uh, really great weekend. And again, for those of us who were a little bit rib challenged, what is the big difference between baby back and spare ribs? Uh, yeah, they're different different parts of the uh, swine. So the uh, the baby back, sometimes they're called loin back ribs or um, different names, but it's basically the higher, it's higher on the hog, literally, um, up closer to the um, the loin and the tenderloin area. And then the spare rib is kind of lower down. If you think of, um, yeah, if you think about pig from top to bottom, the, uh, the baby back ribs are close to the back of the pig and the uh, spare ribs are longer and they're kind of, towards the bottom of the pig so what you have is two different um you can imagine as you get closer to the belly into kind of the bacony area which is cl- it's kind of where the spares are there has a different flavor even a, a fattier kind of a more bacony type flavor which i love and then the baby backs are higher up and they're a little closer to pork loin or pork tenderloin so a little bit leaner and a little bit fl- different flavors so they're both awesome i uh, love ribs uh, my favorite thing to cook uh, but they're just different and they're both great 
And do you get these two different types of ribs usually from the same butcher? Oh, yeah. You can find baby backs or spares um, pretty much anywhere you're going to go to buy meat. Grocery stores, butcher shop, local shop. Yeah, they'll um, – there's different kinds of spare ribs. There's a, there's a full spare that has the rib tips on it. And that's kind of a big, big old piece. And that's fine to cook it like that. And then you have the St. Louis cut, uh, spare ribs, which are just the spare ribs with the rib tips, uh, trimmed off. And it's more of a rectangular kind of a, a rib, but they're both the same piece of meat. They're just trimmed differently. That's the only difference in a St. Louis and a, and a full spare. All right. Now, since we're talking rib talk with our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans, Matt, I put you in a corner and I say you can only eat this one type of rib. Are we going to have you eating ribs that are what I call fairly bland, meaning they got some, uh, I guess it, I guess the term is dry rub. I'll just uh, lay it on you. Dry rub versus a rib that's got lots of barbecue sauce on it. Which one are you going to have? Uh, I'm a fan of the Memphis style dry rub rib. Uh, so I probably one for the rest of my life. It's going to be a dry rub style rib. That's what I like to cook the best, but, um, I love all ribs. I like them saucy too. I like them glazed. I like them muddy. Um, you kind of telegraphed John when you said bland, I think you like a wet rib. Isn't that right? I like, I like dry rub. I've, I've, oh, okay. I, I've okay. fallen in love with the Memphis style rib. I love that. I, but I like, I like uh, I call the Dreamland Alabama style rib kind of a, a a combination. It's 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 got a little bit of juice to it or, or sauce, but really it's that combination with that white bread. I love that. And then I'm okay with a, a rib that's just coated with barbecue sauce too. So you're kind of like me. You kind of like all of it, um, as do I. I like uh, like a saucy rib or like a glazed rib. But I guess my heart is kind of dead set on i really love that memphis style dry rib it's uh, addictive what well, how would you describe the dreamland alabama style rib well that is a hickory smoked rib i mean it's it's you know you start off with a there's a rub on it so it's smoked and it's cooked you know well like southern style barbecue so indirectly with um with wood and uh, with charcoal and then it has um then it has barbecue sauce on it. So I guess if you were, if you were using the Memphis style nomenclature, I guess we can use that. Then that was just a, that's a wet rib. That's a barbecue sauce, a sauced rib, a wet rib. Um, I'll tell you what it is, is, is pretty darn good. It is. But I, I want, I brought that one up because I have had ribs and I'm sure you have too, since you are our barbecue barrister, that if you don't have 500 napkins beside you, when you start right. eating the rib, then you're, not prepared and and some of these rib places go way overboard with their sauces i i tend to agree with that and and so that's um i i do agree and i think we've all if you've eaten barbecue anywhere in the south you've, you've definitely got a little plastic container and you open it up and you got ribs that are that are you know swimming uh drowning in in a sea of barbecue sauce which um, I like barbecue sauce. I think that's, I kind of tend to side with you, John. I think that's a little bit overkill. Uh, I like the sauce to be complementary to the meat, um, instead of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just drowning in it where you kind of dip it into a, you know, I'm sure there's a time, there's a place for that, but uh, no, I, I think the right amount of sauce and, um, and the right texture of sauce is very key for a wet, a wet, uh, sauced rib. So we, we agree. As we talk to our barbecue barrister, let me be your friend to all y'all listening. And that is this friendly advice. Go ahead and splurge. I'm talking here with you, Matt, about the cost of a rack of ribs. 
So usually a half rack is uh, maybe let's say on average around fifteen bucks or a half rack. Does that sound about right? I think you get a full rack for about fifteen bucks. That's what I paid the other day. Uh, okay, I'm maybe I'm being a little bit. Uh, that that you, it depends on where you buy it. Depends on where you right, get it. Well, let's say you can get it. the the average cheapest price for a half rack in your opinion is what? Maybe t- maybe eight or ten dollars. Eight or ten. Yeah. So you can get a full rack for around fifteen. Then so I'm just yeah. telling people go ahead and 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 save money by getting the full rack. They they've got to spend all that time cooking the rack. Might as well serve it on a big old plate. You're going to be able to eat. If you can eat a half rack, you can eat a full rack. <laughs> I tend to agree. Plus, you buy the full rack, you just you cut it down the middle. You got two half racks. You can cook one today, one next week if you want. So, yeah. Uh, if you're like me, you're not walking out of there with a, with anything to go. It's going to be consumed <laughs> right there. And I, I was not able to have me the big grill session that you evidently had over Memorial Day, but I did have me some good barbecue and had a slaw nice collection of slaw to go along with it and Mm -hmm. so yeah i did my part here to keep barbecue alive and well memorial day weekend well i'm glad to hear that because that's uh like i say that's an important part of um who we are as southerners and if i had to think about it honestly matt you'll love this i have probably had barbecue of some type three to four times within the last week you know um I do. I have to. I have to say that that's fantastic. I could do the same thing, um, you know. But the, what that tells me is there's three or four days that you didn't have barbecue. So, so <laughs> Shame on me. It sticks out to me. <laughs> out to me. Oh, see, what a what what a critic here. Hey, I tell you what, Matt, we're not done with you. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to get him to shift over from talking about Memorial Day barbecue to college baseball. On Monday, the field of 64 announced for college baseball's postseason, and we'll get our college baseball barrister's take on who's going to end up in Omaha this year. All that as the Y'all Show Tuesday edition continues. that's the fight song of the united states military academy way to go army black knights they have punched their ticket to college baseball's postseason i'll tell you where the black knights are headed here on y'all talk with a southern accent john raw still got matthew hermans on with us he is the barrister of bodacious barbecue he is the barrister of college baseball and on monday right around lunchtime man i know you had the barbecue out ready to go but you also were glued into espn as they announced the field of 64 for college baseball's postseason 16 sites picked to be regional host and then if you survive your regional this coming weekend you move on to the super regional and then if you survive that well the eight teams end up going to omaha for the college 
Baseball World Series. So happy Field of 64 to you, Baseball Barrister. Yeah, that was uh, it's a lot of fun. I love I love watching the uh, the selection shows. Uh, well, I like watching the selection show for college baseball. It's my favorite. It's pretty cool that the teams that uh, they get a shot. And um, you know, it, I think what they should do though um, is, is give a quick little uh, kind of a, uh, a starter course on how all this college baseball postseason stuff works. Because I know if you don't follow college baseball. A lot of it sounds confusing. You got national seeds, you've got super regionals, regionals, and um, you got the elimination style and all this stuff. So it's kind of you kind of gotta gotta get into college baseball a little bit to to see it, or else it could be a little bit confusing. But um, very exciting, and um, not a whole lot of surprises, but some uh, what a great field, great field indeed. And and as you mentioned, surprises did happen, and. If nothing else, sometimes the surprise of where you're going to play. So the aforementioned Black Knights of Army, they get to load up their caissons and go rolling into West Texas as they'll be part of the Lubbock Regional. Texas Tech alongside Army, UCLA, and the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's one of the 16 regional sites. What do you think about this Lubbock Regional? Yeah, so I said there wasn't a ton of surprises, but this is this was a bit of a surprise to me. I, I did not... I didn't. I, I knew it was possible, but I did not expect uh, Texas Tech to get one of the top eight national seeds um, uh, based on the, you know, the year was, you know, the year was fine. It was up and down, um, but uh, performance in the Big Twelve tournament was not not wonderful. So, um, but I was a little surprised to see that. Uh, so it's it's. I think it's. Uh, it was a little surprising to some people, but they they sneak in at number eight, get, getting that na- that last eight, uh, that last national seed spot there. So um, that's a tough. Um, it's a tough, tough uh, regional in my opinion. You've got Army, which is you know a team they're sitting at twenty eight and twenty three, but they played a lot of tough competition throughout the course of the season. That's a team that can uh, I think is can be a little surprising. Uh, you've got UCLA, which was the if you look at the, I say last year, yeah, last year was a bit of a wash, but the last full season of college baseball, UCLA spent much of that year at number one. Hmm. Um, talented team. Uh, they come in at 35 and 18 in the Pac-12, but uh, didn't really get their, their stuff together. Um, but again, this is a this is a club that, like I say, was number one overall. Uh, the last full season was played and, and definitely has enough talent to make a run if they get hot. North Carolina is another club sitting at just, I mean, they're barely over 500. This is, this is one of the, the programs when you think of North Carolina baseball, you think of a pretty elite program. This is a, a club that's been good most years and a lot of years, very good hovering around the top five and 10. Um, again, not, not the best season, but a team, a club with talent, particularly young talent that can go on a run uh, if they do get hot. So, no real slouches in this regional. So, you know, the, the Texas Tech Red Raiders with their number one seed in the regional and their their um, national seed, um, you know, gets rewarded with three teams who can who can beat you. <laughs> so uh, uh, it'll be an interesting pod. I think it's uh, I think it might be the toughest one out there. The Tar Heels did not win the ACC baseball tournament. That was actually captured by the Duke, Duke. Blue Devils. A little bit okay. of a surprise there. 
Stanford Regional, the Cardinal hosting that. There are no Southern teams out on the left coast participating in that particular regional. Notre Dame is hosting a regional. Notre Dame won the regular season, if you will, of the ACC. They've got Michigan, UConn, and Central Michigan coming into South Bend for a regional there in South Bend. And also want to let you know that in the Starkville Regional, Mississippi State's going to be there. They're the number seven overall seed. The Samford Bulldogs, Sam, not Stan, will be coming over to Octibaha County from Birmingham for the first round matchup there with Chris Lamonis's ball club. VCU and the Campbell Fighting Camels, part of that Starkville Regional as well. Fort Worth, you got TCU, McNeese State, Oregon State, a recent national champion of college baseball, and DBU, the Baptist out of the Metroplex, participating in the Fort Worth Regional. And then, they're not the number one seed, but South Carolina is hosting a regional in Columbia. That's because the number one seed, Old Dominion, did not even put a bid in to host since they don't have the facilities there in the Tidewater of Virginia. So ODU is there as well as the Gamecocks, UVA, and the Jacksonville Dolphins. Matt Hermans, what can you tell me about these roughly six of the 16 regional sites that I've talked about thus far? Yeah, so the first thing that obviously comes to mind is the the Columbia Regional, which is pretty pretty interesting. Of course, Old Dominion, 42 and 14, sitting there with the number one seed in that regional and uh, they got to go down to Columbia, which which is interesting. That usually does not happen. But you're right; the facilities are just not there to to host, um, which which is, is a pretty big deal. Um, Jacksonville, uh, sixteen and thirty-two. This is a team yeah. that what a record. Yeah, this is a team that uh, it's one of those things. You win the you win your conference uh, tournament, you get an automatic bid. So that is a that is a club that's uh, literally just happy to be there. And uh, then you move over to South Carolina. South Carolina is a, I think, an underrated. <clears throat> I don't say underrated. They're they have had their ups and they have had their downs this season, but certainly a program that can beat anyone um, can certainly go on a run uh, if they if everything clicks for the, the Gamecocks. There, I think that is um, uh, that's a team to watch out for, uh, kind of sneaking up through this this. Um, I don't say sneaking at a number two seed in the regional, but. Uh, you know, uh, not not one of the top eight seeds, but a scary team to play, in my opinion. Then Virginia, uh, 29 and 23, that's a club that has had better years in the past. But once again, this is a ball club that, that has a lot of history and it has talent. It just hasn't clicked. So um, interesting regional, interesting in a lot of different ways. But, uh, yeah, Jacksonville, uh, 16 and 32, that uh, they're happy to be there. All right, moving along, you've got the Tucson Regional. Arizona hosts that, the only Southern team making its way to the desert. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, they're the number two seed in the Tucson Regional. Grand Canyon and US, UCSB also in that one. The Oxford-Mississippi Regional, the homestanding Land Sharks will be there. They take on SEMO out of Cape Girardeau, winners of the OVC tournament in Jackson, Tennessee, which was where that was held this past weekend. The Sharks and the SEMO Redhawks getting together in the first matchup. Also, Southern Miss, Florida State in the Oxford Regional. The Greenville, North Carolina Regional features the features the Pirates out of the American ECU, one of the best teams in college baseball this year. They'll be taking on Norfolk State in their first matchup. The Charlotte 49ers missed out on hosting a regional. They will be playing the Maryland Terps there at the Greenville, North Carolina Regional. 
The Vanderbilt Commodores hosting the Nashville Regional. The Blue Hose of Presbyterian out of the Big South will be taking on Vandy in the first matchup. Georgia Tech of the ACC and the Sycamores of Indiana State also in the Nashville Regional. The Knoxville, Tennessee Regional features the homestanding Vols, the number three overall seed against Wright State in that first matchup. The ACC Tournament Champs Duke is taking on the Liberty Flames in the Knoxville, Tennessee Regional. Then you've got the Eugene, Oregon Regional. That includes LSU. LSU just sneaking in, and it's Paul Maneri announcing over the weekend he's stepping aside as LSU's head baseball coach. LSU and Gonzaga will be taking on each other in the Eugene Regional, which also has the homestanding Ducks and Central Connecticut as part of that. Gainesville, the regional there in UF country. Florida is taking on the Bulls of South Florida in their first matchup. The Hurricanes of Miami, which started the season against the Florida Gators in Gainesville. Miami and South Alabama also as part of this Gainesville Florida Regional. Then you got the number two overall seed, the Texas Longhorns, going up against the Jaguars of Southern University. Arizona State and Fairfield are your other teams making up the Austin Regional. Then I'll also throw out here before I tell you about the final regional after I catch my breath here. Ruston, Louisiana. Way to go, Louisiana Tech. They got a great ballpark there in Lincoln Parish. Louisiana Tech's got Ryder coming in as well as NC State and a team that just got in through the bottom of the door, Alabama sneaking into the NCAA baseball tournament. So I'm going to talk about the Fayetteville region in just a second, but what can you tell us about all these other teams and sites I just rattled off? Yeah, I'll just hit hit on a few things off the bat. Um, that Octa regional is interesting because you've got Ole Miss, which is uh, one of the clubs that is the most exciting to watch, as well as uh, you know a club that can, can lose to just about anybody. So very very exciting regional there, particularly when you add Southern Miss to the mix. It's a real good ball club, and they're going to be extremely happy to go up to Oxford and try to beat uh, the Rebels as usual. Uh, Florida State's a sneaky club in that one to, to watch out for. You mentioned the Ruston Regional. Louisiana Tech is a very good baseball team. That is not a fluke. That is not a gift. That is that is there's no joke there. Louisiana Tech has put uh, double digits, um, double digit runs on a lot of good teams this year. That's a fantastic club. NC State's hot in that regional. Alabama was not going to make it. They had a couple good wins in the in the SEC tournament, and that's what got them in by the skin of their teeth there. Um, and Austin, if we jump over to Austin. Well, hold on one second. I got somebody who's very upset that Alabama got in and Kentucky did not get in. What do you say to that person? Well, I don't I don't have a lot to say because um, both of them were about – um, neither one of them were terribly impressive throughout the year, but I think Alabama, when you look at the wins, they had a couple good wins. And honestly, I think it comes down to the SEC tournament. Alabama won a couple games in the tournament uh, against good competition, and that's it. That's all. I mean, neither one of them were, were going to host or anything like that. But uh, you could make a case for Kentucky over Alabama. I would just look to the SEC tournament. Alabama did a little bit better, in my opinion, and that's all. All right. Austin Regional? Austin Regional. We got Texas. Uh, did not have a good uh, – Big 12 Conference tournament, tourney, neither did the other host in the Big 12, uh, Texas Tech. But they've got uh, they've got Arizona State, which is a solid club. Fairfield, 37-3. and three. That is a club that uh, nobody knows much about, but um, this is one who's going to come into Austin only having lost three games and is going to be excited to play. Southern is a team that's sitting at 28 That's a team that won the, the conference tournament and is, is in there because of that. Have you seen that's the video of how they won their conference tournament, the SWAC? 
I don't. I watched a lot of baseball. I probably would remember it if you described it. Uh, it had something to do with a guy falling through the wall in oh, yes. in Madison, <laughs> Alabama, home of the uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas. Yeah, the guy literally crashed through the wall, and that ended up being the decisive runs there. Check it out. It's a brand new ballpark too, so yeah, it's not like yeah. they were playing in a dilapidated place there. The Southern, the Jaguars, their reward for crashing through the walls and winning the SWAC, taking on the Texas Longhorns. That's right. That's right. Texas got a pretty good draw there in that pod. I think they're, they got a pretty good chance of coming out of that one um, unscathed. All right. In our last regional, it is the Fayetteville Regional. Teams making their way to the Ozarks, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the Northeastern Huskies, the New Jersey Institute of Technology crusaders i think is their nickname and who are the njit crusaders taking on oh the number one seed in all of college baseball the arkansas razorbacks what about this regional that's right woo pig uh arkansas not only the number one seed in college baseball number one uh, overall seed in the tournament but the number one team in college baseball throughout the majority of the season and the SEC tournament champion. Oh, yeah. As well as, well as the SEC regular season champ. So, <laughs> Arkansas sitting at 46 and 10. This is, we've talked about before, this is as clear uh, number one teams have been in the last decade. Um, they are just rolling. Uh, there's nothing, nothing to make anyone think that they're not going to continue to roll. Of course, baseball is an interesting sport, but I actually had to look NJIT up, John. Um, and, uh, are they the Highlanders? So, yeah, Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, I, I was not sure. I was trying to put it together in my head, but uh, now I... I, I was see. close. Highlanders, Crusaders, eh, whatever. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a European connection there. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> so Arkansas, um, just ready to roll. Uh, their starting pitching is incredible. Kevin Copps, obviously, coming off, off the, uh, out of the bullpen has, has been just incredible this year as well. Northeastern, Nebraska, NJIT, they have the work cut out for them. Um, wouldn't want to be in that regional with Arkansas, not at this point, but um, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, and that, again, part of the fun of college baseball as the postseason is upon us. 64 teams in, nine SEC representatives, eight ACC representatives. How many did the uh, Big 12 get in here? TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma State. So Four? I have to, I have to get my fingers out. Was yeah. that four? Yep. Yeah. Not because you're going into the fourth quarter, the reason you're holding those things up. It's the road to Omaha. Friday and Saturday are your first games of this tourney. And then you've got games stretching into the Sunday, Monday time period, depending on how weather goes and all the elimination games and more. But a great time. And a lot of these games covered on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Check it out. It's like Christmas for people like Matt Hermans, our college baseball barrister. Congratulations. Congratulations and Merry Christmas to me and everyone else out there who loves college baseball. Yeah. All right. We'll get you back on here next week and get your take on who you think will emerge from the Super Regionals and advance to Omaha for college baseball's World Series. Matt Hermans, thank you very much. Thank you, John. Can't wait to talk about it tomorrow or next week. You got it. Matt Herman's everybody. More of the Y'all Show coming up. We'll take a look at what's on y'all.com after this break.
Turn the quiet up, turn the noise down. Let this old world just spin around. I wanna feel it sway, wanna feel it sway. Put some feel good in my soul. Drink a little drink, smoke a little smoke. Want a little more right and a little less left. A little more right now, a little less what's next. Act like tomorrow's ten years away. Just kick back and let the feeling flow. Drink a little drink, smoke a little smoke. That's one of the coolest cucumbers in country music right now, Eric Church. This is the Y'all Show. We are delivered by y'all.com. One of the coolest cucumbers in the whole internet world is y'all.com. And if you don't believe me, just go check it out for yourself. Four little characters, Y-A-L-L dot com. It's the South homepage. Go there right now. You will see a wonderful video of tricks of the trade we put that up over the weekend at y'all.com if you are in search of home improvement help john allen and jimmy duke the duke of dixie have tricks of the trade each week and we put the video of that show up at y'all.com this past weekend you can go there and check out the video now and learn all about flagpole installation there's some tricks of the trade when it comes to putting up Old Glory in your backyard, and John Allen tells you just what to do. Plus, it is officially summertime. It's getting hot. It's getting hotter. And John Allen and Jimmy have your heating and air conditioning tips right there at y'all.com if you click on the video for Tricks of the Trade. Oh, and by the way, you might want to also get some help with your attic, attic exhaust fan. Your attic could be getting out of control here when it gets to be 100 degrees and John Allen and Tricks of the Trade covers attic exhaust fans, all part of the latest episode of Tricks of the Trade. You go there and find out about it, plus our other video interviews we've recently done, including our interview with Moe's Original Barbecue and some golf talk and more, all right there at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. We'll be right back after this break. We've got a whole nother hour of talk about the South with your host, John Rawl. Coming your way. Stay tuned. Back in for the final hour of this Tuesday edition. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. If you are a resident of the 16 Southern states, pay close attention. You're going to love this show. I'm going to go ahead on record and just make a bold statement. This is the greatest show that covers the South out there. There's nobody else like yours truly, John Rawl, that does the job that we do. You're just not going to find it anywhere, and it is our honor and privilege to tell you about the South. Now, part of the reason we make that bold statement, we think we're the only show that does what we do, cover the South. So that may be the reason we're the number one show in the South. But I think we're just a great show. Look, you can go listen to other shows of all ilk, 
and there's a darn good chance they talk about the same thing every single day. They talk about the same things every single hour of every single day. We don't here on y'all. We don't because there's so much going on here in this part of the world. We we can't sound like a broken record. We cover it all, y'all, and we have a good time doing it, and we want you to be a part of the fun, and we thank you for being a part of the fun. Our number to reach out, maybe we're not doing a good enough job in your opinion. Hey, just hit me up here and tell me about something we need to cover that we're missing the boot on. <laughs> Our number is 803 803- 816-1170. That is a number you can call any old time you want to. 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call. That's a number you can text. And we are ready to take your opinion and put it right here on the show. Also, you can email us if you'd rather go that route. We welcome those as well. Mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is the email address. And we are constantly over here hitting the inbox, looking for content. We appreciate everybody who shared stuff with us at mail at y'all.com here in this hour of y'all we're gonna have that original fun that you're not gonna find anywhere else and i want to thank everybody who's come up to me and said man i like what you're doing i enjoy your show i appreciate that that actually makes me feel good but what also makes me feel good is being able to tell you about what's going on in the south and here on this show we mix it all up we are a pot of gumbo that's got a little bit of everything news sports politics food we got cooking we got conversation we got storytellers we got so much right here on y'all and we couldn't do it without all y'all this third hour of today's y'all show we got more headlines from across the southeast that we'll be passing along and then we're going to do our very first real-time scientific survey here on the y'all show monday was memorial day I went and spent a lot of time on social media sites of our largest companies here in America to see what they were doing on social media, specifically Twitter, to honor America's war dead. Did they even take the time to put out a tweet about Memorial Day 2021? I'm going to tell you, it ain't good. And I'll tell you what I found in just a few minutes here. And I'm going to do a real-time analysis of some of these biggest companies in the entire country and tell you what they're tweeting about today and i bet you it's gonna surprise you all they didn't have the time to tweet on monday for memorial day but are they tweeting today we're gonna go together you're welcome to join along if you will in just a few minutes here on our scientific real-time survey of the y'all show before the hour is up we've got a southern accent on arts kobe bennett We'll be filing that here this third hour of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And then more sports information and the Atlanta Braves' Ozuna is in a heap of trouble. We'll give you the latest coming out of Atlanta as part of our sports headlines. And another glance at college baseball's postseason. Matt Hermans was on Hour 2 walking us through the entire field. I'll share my thoughts of college baseball's postseason tourney, which gets going on Friday. All that is part of our Southern Sports Update later this hour continuing on with headlines from across the southeast here on this tuesday president joe biden flying to tulsa today as he will be marking the 100th anniversary of the tulsa race riot which was a very ugly chapter in our region and in our country's history 
President Biden heading to Tulsa here today for this 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race riot. Now, he's also expected to announce new steps to help minority-owned businesses grow and to address racial discrimination in the housing market. That, according to a senior administration official, the president will announce that he will use federal purchasing power to grow federal contracting with small, disadvantaged businesses, many of them minority-owned, and he's going to do this by 50%. Now, the White House said this is going to translate to an additional $100 billion over five years. He's also, President Biden, announcing new specifics on the $10 billion community revitalization fund included in his infrastructure proposal. The fund will be targeted to economically underserved and underserved communities like Greenwood there in the Tulsa area. That's the neighborhood where this Tulsa race riot happened in 19. 19- 21 but president biden heading to the south heading to oklahoma on the fringe of the south here on this tuesday to mark the 100th anniversary of the tulsa race riot i don't have the article in front of me i'm doing this completely off of what i gathered through scanning through headlines but we announced that on monday on memorial day monday i think it was going to be this massive concert this massive event to mark the 100th anniversary of the tulsa race massacre John Legend was scheduled to perform in Tulsa over the weekend. Stacey Abrams of Georgia was also making her way to Tulsa for this event. Go look up the headlines, if you will, for yourself, because I'm doing this all on base what I could come off the top of my head. But something happened in the last couple of hours before this concert was supposed to be taking place. The key event of this whole Tulsa race massacre weekend may be bigger than Biden showing up here today. They were going to have this big event, going to have a national broadcast of it as well, and it fell apart in the closing hours, and it had to do with somebody going around trying to raise big time, like millions and millions of dollars on the back of some of the people they would already said they'd give some money to, and then they quadrupled or more the amount of money trying to be raised. Go look it up for yourself, but what a what an embarrassing chapter here of this weekend what was supposed to be a solemn occasion in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and now John Legend did not perform this past weekend. Stacey Abrams, to my knowledge, did not make her way to Tulsa for this event, and that star-studded event canceled because people got greedy trying to raise way more money than what was originally supposed to be raised for some of the survivors of the 1921 race riot in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, update from Nashville, as right there outside of Nashville, you have the Percy Priest Reservoir, and over the weekend on Saturday, seven people killed, including a former actor and a Christian diet guru. They were a husband and wife killed when this plane crashed, leaving the airport in Smyrna heading to West Palm Beach, Florida, and this plane crashed into Percy Priest Lake in Smyrna, Rutherford County, Tennessee, and authorities have been out there searching a half-mile wide debris field at Percy Priest. Drones also looking over the crash site. According to the NTSB, officials can take one to two years to complete this investigation of how this plane with seven people aboard crashed. Now, two of the seven were the Lara family, Gwen Shamblin Lara and her husband, Joe. Joe 
was an actor who portrayed Tarzan in the TV series in the mid-1990s, Tarzan the Epic Adventures, and Gwen was with Remnant Fellowship Church in Brentwood, Tennessee, and she wrote some Christian-themed diet books that were fairly popular. The Shamblin, uh, Gwen Shamblin Lara, her husband Joe, as well as Brandon Hanna, David L. Martin, Jennifer J. Martin, Jessica Walters, and Jonathan Walters, all of Brentwood, Tennessee, crashing when this Cessna C-501 plane went down at Percy Priest Lake, southwest, rather southeast of Nashville on Saturday. And just an awful news story from the Memorial Day weekend. Four people killed in Alabama when their car ran off of Interstate 20 east of Birmingham at the 162-mile marker, plane running off, plunging into Logan Martin Lake. The four victims from Adamsville, which is near Birmingham, they were believed to be traveling to Georgia for a holiday weekend event. Their car left the roadway, plunging into water near the 162-mile marker, which is just east of Riverside in East Alabama. And four people already pronounced dead. One other survivor, Reginald White, transported to an area hospital. Injuries unknown, according to news reports. The four people killed April Watley, age 37, 18-year-old Mariah Towns, and then two youngsters, five-year-old Rosalind White, three-year-old Reginald J. White, pronounced dead at the scene when this car runs off of Interstate 20 between Birmingham and Lincoln, Alabama, on the way toward Georgia, and it crashes in Logan Martin Lake on Interstate 20, and this happened over this Memorial Day weekend. Funeral service set for a Mississippi Highway patrolman killed in the line of duty. He was administering a traffic stop in Madison County, Mississippi, just to the north of Jackson, Mississippi. And Trooper John Harris struck and killed on Friday in Madison County, Mississippi. A funeral service set for this afternoon, Tuesday, at Broadmoor Baptist Church in Madison. A graveside service will be at the Natchez Trace Funeral Home, Madison, Mississippi. Governor Tate Reeves putting out a statement that Harris's death is a reminder how life is so fragile. And he is right. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, and a reminder for all of you, please be extremely cautious. Anytime you see law enforcement pull someone over, and in this case, in Madison County, Mississippi, someone is not paying attention, likely, and runs into and kills a Mississippi Highway Patrolman. And we salute that hero in blue for unfortunately losing their life. But so many times our law enforcement officials killed just doing their basic work, not by bullets, but by people not paying attention, by wrecks. And just it, it's just a common occurrence in the profession, unfortunately. As if their jobs weren't hard enough, you have stories like this that you have to pass along here coming out of a Memorial Day weekend observation okay we know now it's the month of june it also marks the start of the atlantic hurricane season last year 30 named storms from the atlantic the worst year that we've seen here of late and now locations being named most at risk for the 2021 atlantic hurricane season 
The NOAA predicts states along the Atlantic coast will see what they call an above normal year taking place here as they predict between 13 to 20 total named storms along the Atlantic seaboard. The agency predicted six to 10 of those storms were likely to become hurricanes with wind speeds of 74 miles per hour or higher. North Carolina, Louisiana, among the list of the most direct hits on the U.S. coastline, according to NOAA, Puerto Rico also likely to be in the path of a storm here in the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season. In Loudoun County in Virginia, a teacher has now been placed on paid leave all because they opposed the pronoun use for transgender students. And now teacher Byron Tanner Cross is out of a job, it looks like, temporarily, maybe permanently, put on administrative leave, saying he won't address transgender students by their preferred pronouns. He told the county school board there at Leesburg Elementary School, which is where he teaches, that the use of preferred gender pronouns for transgender students was against his religion. And now the school board of Loudoun County, Virginia, putting this teacher on administrative leave because of this decision. He said in the meeting, I'm a teacher, but I serve God first. I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. And it's sinning against our God. The school system confirming that they had placed teacher Cross on leave with a statement saying, Mr. Cross is on paid administrative leave because of state and federal law regarding personnel files. This is the only comment that can be made at this time. Alliance Defending Freedom, a nonprofit legal organization, said it sent a letter to Loudoun County Schools Friday on behalf of Cross. They say public schools have no business compelling teachers to express ideological beliefs that they don't hold, that according to the ADF Center for Academic Freedom. But more fallout from the world we live in and pronoun use, etc. In this case, from an elementary school teacher. I didn't realize that this was going on this kind of conversation was going on even at that age. In fact, I saw a report from the weekend where there's textbooks now going out to young kids all about this kind of stuff. There's Blue's Clues. I saw this. They have an episode of Blue's Clues which targets kids five, six, seven, eight years old, something along those lines. I haven't seen an episode of Blue's Clues lately. And it was all about pronoun usage. It was about transgendered and they were waving the rainbow flag proudly on, on Blue's Clues. That's what is going on in today's world. An Alabama teen headed to the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs has donated their hair to kids battling cancer. What a great gesture here by this Heart of Dixie teen before he takes the oath and becomes an Air Force Academy cadet. He does this amazing gesture huntsville resident kieran moise doing this to help out kieran's curls for cancer a saint jude fundraising effort raised nearly twenty thousand dollars this youngster has told news outlets outside huntsville alabama's straight to l brewery where his hair was cut on saturday that he wanted to give back because there are lots of people that need help 
and the effort to shave his head, which he had a large head of hair, by the way, 17-year-old Moyes, inspired to donate after losing a friend of cancer in middle school. And now, got $20,000 helping out. The 17-year-old is a recent graduate of New Century Technology School and will begin at the Air Force Academy in the fall of 2021. Kieran Moyes in Huntsville, Alabama, said he hadn't had a haircut in six years. It's a good thing he got it cut because the Air Force Academy would have done it for him and they wouldn't have been able to raise $20,000 in their effort. But way to go. Great job. Wish him well as he's going to be a falcon at USAFA. A Southwest airline pilot has been sentenced for watching porn mid-flight and committing a lewd act. 60-year-old Michael Hawk apologized before a U.S. magistrate judge, and this judge, Mark Colson, ordered him Friday to serve probation and pay a $5,000 fine. And you heard me right. This is a Southwest Airlines pilot sentenced for watching porn mid-flight and then committing a lewd act. What was this guy thinking? Yeah, committed to do this, the 60-year-old apologizing, and this happened in Florida. This this flight was to Florida, and now this former pilot has been sentenced to a year of probation. And Hawk said during a virtual meeting that it started as a consensual prank between me and another pilot. I never imagined it would turn into this in a thousand years. The flight occurred in 2020 on a flight that he was piloting between Philadelphia and Orlando, according to federal prosecutors, when the plane reached cruising altitude. I'm afraid to read this story here to y'all. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm afraid to, 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 to keep reading. When it reached cruising altitude, Hawk got out of the pilot seat and disrobed and began watching porno films on a laptop computer in the cockpit. There's a joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. As the plane continued its flight, according to federal prosecutors, Hawk further engaged in inappropriate conduct in the cockpit as the first officer continued to perform her duties, <laughs> her duties as an assigned aircraft aircrew member. The pilot stated that he had duty to comport himself in such a the, the U.S. attorney in court records blasting this pilot saying that he had quote a duty to comport himself in a much more responsible manner y- you think oh, yep gonna be on probation not going to jail and you wonder why sometimes airline pilots get a bad rap here in this case walking away from the controls to do crazy things like this and here we are on the all show talking about it my apologies lord help us all how about this story coming from fitzgerald georgia there's going to be a 62 foot tall chicken erected in fitzgerald and it's going to be higher than the tallest dinosaur taking shape in south georgia likely right around i-75 if i had to guess yeah it now it's it's up if you go South Georgia, you're likely to see this huge chicken as it is above homes. It's so big, 62 feet. That's six stories tall. And it is a chicken 
sculpted from living plants growing on its frame like a huge garden lattice. Leaders Fitzgerald, I think that's a bank there in Fitzgerald, GA, announcing plans for the chicken sculpture in 2019 as a feature to bring tourists to the city of 9,000 people. Well, nothing says let's go to Fitzgerald, Georgia, than a 62-foot-tall topiary chicken. The mayor, Jim Puckett, said the coronavirus pandemic caused some construction delays and the Tennessee-based artist known as Topiary Joe needed some time to recover from surgery, but ultimately Topiary Joe out of Tennessee got on the interstate and went down to South Georgia, and they got this beautiful big chicken, green chicken, that's even famous, more famous than the big chicken up in Marietta from Fitzgerald. That one's only 59 feet tall. And now this one, this South Georgia chicken has out chicken the big chicken in Marietta. And you can go see it for yourself in Fitzgerald, Georgia. Now that's the kind of story that will make a, a smile come to your face for sure here. A woman in Virginia has transformed her home into a shrine to McDonald's. It all started when this lady had a Ronald McDonald stained glass art put in her home and it took off from there. 31-year-old Taylor Geckling, who lives with her husband, 40-year-old Adam in Richmond, Virginia, has collected more than 100 memorabilia items from McDonald's over the year and even had the walls of their home painted red and yellow. And now this Richmond, Virginia woman, turning her home into a shrine of McDonald's, got Happy Meal toys all around it, says the favorite item in the first that sparked her interest was that McDonald's stained glass window. Said that she and her husband stopped at a flea market during a road trip and saw that Ronald McDonald stained glass piece, and she was drawn to it. And here you can go. Maybe she might let you in her house in Richmond collect all these McDonald's memorabilia and more. Do you have any McDonald's memorabilia of your own? I don't think I have. I'm, in fact, I'm trying to think if I have anything from a fast food joint i will tell you to their credit we don't talk about a good southern company a lot on here that should get a little bit more attention hardy's if you're lucky enough and if you got a memory there was a time back in the 80s that hardy's had these collector glass glasses glasses real glass and i don't know if it had to do with a movie or at one time hardy's used to sell fried chicken but yeah, McDonald's had these collector glasses, and I bet you if you go on something called eBay, you might could find McDonald's glasses, and not Hardy's glassware from their time when they used to sell glasses. I think Coca-Cola had something to do with this, but you could get it at Hardy's around the southeast at one time. I bet you some of you might have it right there next to your finest silverware and finest dinnerware, maybe more valuable than your own wedding china. If you have that happy birthday to the volunteer state today marks the 225th birthday of the great state of Tennessee, the nation's 16th state, I do believe. Bill Lee and the Oak Ridge Boys celebrating Tennessee's 225th birthday in Jonesboro today. That is in East Tennessee, and it is known as Tennessee's oldest town, and it's got a very special event going on today to mark Tennessee's 225th birthday and you know when you got the oak ridge boys 
named after a great city in East Tennessee, part of the celebration. You know it's on in Tennessee today, as Governor Lee says in a statement, as we reflect on 225 years of statehood, I'm honored to welcome the legendary Oak Ridge Boys to historic Jonesboro. These remarkable musicians have contributed greatly to our state's heritage, and we look forward to celebrating with our fellow Tennesseans. Good to see music from the Oak Ridge Boys and everybody gathering at the Washington County Courthouse. And if you know anything about history in the early days of our country, and I don't want to get into it too much because it actually brings up a great conversation we can have on another time here on the Y'all Show, there was a, a good chance that in the early days of this settlement in Washington County, Tennessee, East Tennessee, that this would not have been part of Tennessee. This would have been the state of Franklin. That was a real pseudo state that was trying to be created out of portions of Tennessee and western North Carolina around 1790, 1800. Go look that up. I don't want to bore you with the state of Franklin today. I want to bore you. Actually, I want to make you feel good about Tennessee's 225th birthday. Happy birthday to Tennessee. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. I better not sing anymore because since Tennessee's got all these songwriting people, they might come after me for some kind of violation of copyright. (laughs) So I better shut up here. Uh, This one is not so much of a story worried about a copyright. This is a story coming to us from the southern state of Maryland. If you're looking for a great getaway, we deserve a break. We deserve fun. How about a chance to have a southern summer getaway in Maryland aboard seafood? Yeah, the boat seafood. Do y'all know what the yacht seafood at Kent Island in Maryland is most famous for? It is famous for being the boat that Rodney Dangerfield skippered in the classic 1980 film Caddyshack. And now you can go to Kent Island, Maryland, and rent out a night stay. I don't think they'll let you tool around Chesapeake Bay in seafood, but you can stay on seafood, the boat made famous when Rodney Dangerfield was skippering it in Caddyshack, and he crashed it into that little boat from the other guy that was kind of a schmuck in Caddyshack. And now you can actually stay aboard seafood on a getaway in the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. Did you realize the 1980 film Caddyshack that had Chevy Chase, Dangerfield, Ted Knight, and that's the guy that Dangerfield crashed his boat into, Michael O'Keefe, Bill Murray, Charleston, South Carolina resident, did you realize that film was filmed in Florida? Although it was supposed to be, I think, set in the Midwest, it was filmed in Florida. And that's very evident when you tune in and see the boat crashing scene. YouTube, if you will, you'll be able to see the great boat crashing scene of seafood in Caddyshack. But this film was made in the late 1979-1980 time period, mostly in Florida, as production crews went to Florida and filmed around Palm Beach, and more. The yacht club scene was shot at the Rusty Pelican restaurant in Key Biscayne, Florida. The dancing scene of Caddyshack, the 4th of July dinner, that was at the Boca Raton Hotel and Club in Boca Raton. And a lot of the golf scenes were filmed in Davie, 
at the Rolling Hills Golf Club, which is now the Grand Oaks Golf Club. How about that? Filmed in the September 1979 after Hurricane David passed through South Florida. Caddyshack, truly one of the funniest movies ever made. Southern connections there for you. And you can make those connections come alive with a trip to go stay on seafood and enjoy a good summer getaway if you're a Caddyshack fan. And if you're not a Caddyshack fan, something is wrong with you. Google how you can stay, speaking of Google, on this boat from Caddyshack. Unfortunately, Rodney Dangerfield will not be able to skipper you this time and this stay, if you will. Rodney Dangerfield, who also starred in another great movie about the South. Remember the movie where he was the governor of Georgia? <laughs> that was from the 1980 period. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, we lost him in 2004 as he died at the age of 82. But boy, when he was around and making movies, he was hilarious. I'll never forget some of those great ones that he was a part of in his career. And like I said, he had Ladybugs as one of his movies, Back to School, where he played Thornton Mellon. Love that one. Easy Money. And the one that he was the governor of Georgia, I'm still trying to pull that one up. If y'all know it, help me out here. Um, there are so many I can't keep, keep keep track of them. But, yeah, Rodney Dangerfield. Just like Rodney, I get no respect here. But I'm working on it here on the Y'all Show, so thank you for being a part of it, the show that covers everything Southern. We'll take a break. When we come back, we have some – maybe I'll be able to pull up this movie where he was the governor of Georgia in the commercial break. If you know it, help me out. Help help an old friend out, 803-816-1170. We'll come right back after the break, and we've got some real-time research coming in about how some of our biggest companies, including some right there in Georgia, Atlanta-based companies, how did they honor Memorial Day on social media this week? And it ain't good news. And I'll tell you all about it when the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Exit continues. My movie viewing skills is not quite, and definitely my movie retention skills, not quite what they should be. I think the movie I was referencing, Meet Wally Sparks, out in the 1990s, not 80s, from Rodney Dangerfield. If, I, if I'm if i lying, I'm dying. But yeah, that was a, a fun movie. Georgia boy Burt Reynolds, a co-star with Dangerfield in that comedy from the 1990s, Meet Wally Sparks. Put that one on your must see tv continuing on with the show all about the south with your host john rawl call me dr john rawl for this segment because i have done some research just for you as we celebrated or honored our american remembered is maybe the best word our american war dead our great heroes more than a million americans dying in our nation's conflicts throughout history on Monday, we had Memorial Day, 
I went through and I looked up the 30 largest American companies. What are they? I went through a couple hours of research and I found who our top 30 companies are in America. Then I deleted companies in this country who may be one of the top 30 companies in the country, but they don't really necessarily target the general public. They don't have a business that you or I might normally patronize. There might be an investment firm or some other kind of company that doesn't necessarily care to reach the general consumer. So I deleted those options. So what I have is a breakdown of 30 minus 15 15 companies that aren't necessarily in the business of attracting the general consumer of the region. I got about 15 or 16 companies here in front of me that are pretty active on social media. So this is 16 of the 30 biggest companies in the United States. These are American-based companies. And I went through on Monday, Memorial Day, and went through and looked up if they even mentioned anything about Memorial Day on their official Twitter account. And I'm going to walk through this with you here. And I'm also going to tell you what they've got up today since we're in the month of June. If they've done anything today, maybe they just took off over the holiday and they're back up and going today. And that might explain what happened, why they weren't doing anything on Memorial Day Monday. So hang on, get your pen and paper out, and listen up. And if you're an American veteran there's a good chance you might not like what I'm about to pass along to you. The biggest company, American company, I think, is Walmart. Walmart did not put out any kind of Twitter statement or tweet about Memorial Day 2021. Nothing from Walmart on Monday. Amazon, no tweet at all about Memorial Day 2021. Apple, Apple does act, get this. They're not the only ones that do this. Apple, their official Twitter account does not tweet. They don't tweet anything at Apple. I guess it kind of keeps them out of trouble. So I'll give them a, an asterisk here since they don't even tweet. They didn't tweet Memorial day sentiment on Monday. In fact, I think Apple's the one, if you go look them up, at Apple is their Twitter handle. They don't follow anybody. They've got 6.3 million followers, but Apple does not follow anybody. And have they have no tweets. CVS, CVS did not put out any kind of tweet Monday for Memorial Day or the day before. No Memorial Day tweet of any kind from CVS. AT&T did put out a Memorial Day tweet. Way to go, AT&T. Since they are the first of the biggest companies in the country to even reference Memorial Day, let me tell you what they put out. If I can pull this up here. I told you we're going to be doing some real-time work here on today's Y'all Show. They put out Monday a retweet. Well, actually, they put a retweet and a regular tweet. They put a tweet from their own account, May 31st. This Memorial Day, we honor the fallen military men and women who have protected our country and defended our freedoms. We are forever grateful. 
that from AT&T. And then they followed that up with a retweet, retweet from FirstNet built, built with AT&T and a beautiful photo of a folded American flag. It looks like at a, at a funeral is a stage photo, but the image there says, we're forever grateful for your service and sacrifice. That from AT&T. Way to go, AT&T. Ford Motor Company, one of the biggest companies in America. No Memorial Day tweet. Costco. Costco's just like Apple. They don't tweet anything. So I'm, I won't pick on Costco too too much here. Microsoft. No Memorial Day tweet of any kind. General Motors. No Memorial Day tweet. Walgreens. They at least reference Memorial Day, but it's pretty, honestly, pretty shady what they did. Here's what Walgreens as a company put out a tweet. It says, tell us what your Memorial Day weekend plans are by only using emojis. So they didn't actually say something to the effect of let's honor our heroes who've died. Let's remember, never forget. No, what Walgreens did was tell us what your Memorial Day weekend plans are by only using emojis. Kind of ridiculous, don't you think? Verizon, again, one of the biggest companies in America. No Memorial Day reference with their tweet. Kroger, zero reference to Memorial Day from Kroger. Bank of America did reference Memorial Day with a tweet over this Memorial Day weekend. Thank you, AT&T. Thank you, Bank of America. The Home Depot, they're kind of falling in the category of Walgreens. Home Depot sort of put out a Memorial Day weekend tweet in reference to Memorial Day. Home Depot's tweet says, at Home Depot found, that's the Home Depot Foundation, and this tweet comes to them from Home Depot found on Twitter. Today and every day, we honor and remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice. So, Essentially, they were retweeting another account, the Home Depot. But they did sort of acknowledge Memorial Day on their Twitter account. Comcast, another sort of reference. As they put out a tweet that says, This hashtag Memorial Day, we honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice while serving our country. Learn about our recent partnership with at MM. M her memorial M M M her memorial to elevate the voices of service women. Now this is a completely different type deal that they're promoting Comcast. It's a women's world war or women's war memorial. Evidently that's either being built or has been built. I should know more about it. Frankly, I don't, but the tweet that they put out had an image about the color of freedom exhibit, about service women of color. Well, this was Memorial Day. This was not Veterans Day. And let's honor people who've died, people of color, women of color who've actually died, not just women who've served. And that's my complaint about Comcast and their tweet. Wells Fargo did reference Memorial Day in a tweet on Monday. So let me recap. There were only... Three of our top 30 companies that that market to the general public. So 
I called 30 of the biggest companies down to 16 of which market to the general public. Three of 16 Twitter accounts took the time to officially acknowledge Memorial Day. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and AT&T. What do y'all think of that? Is that is that ridiculous? I, I think it is. Especially if you're to go on there today and see if they're being active on social media on this 1st of June 2021. So bear with me. I'm going to do a quick search on some of these Twitter accounts and see if they're doing Since they didn't take the time to do anything Memorial Day, are they doing anything here on the 1st of June? Walmart. Still has it tweeted today. So I don't know what's going on. Whoever is administrating the uh, Walmart Twitter account, I'd like to take over that account because they're, they're not very active on Twitter. At Walmart is the Twitter account for their – let's go to Amazon, at Amazon, and see what Amazon, the good folks there, since they didn't have time to say anything about Memorial Day on Monday, are they active today on Twitter. Let's see here. Amazon. Nothing today. I'll tell you, these are two of your biggest com- uh, companies in America, and they are not active on Twitter today. Has Twitter died? Is that the par- part of the reason? Could be, but they are not doing anything. Let's go. I told you Apple does not tweet as a rule of thumb. Let's see if Apple's done anything today. Maybe they've changed their rules in the last 24 hours. At Apple on Twitter, nothing, nothing at all. So to their credit, at least they're consistent. They are consistent. CVS did not take any time Monday to acknowledge Memorial Day. Are they doing anything here on this 1st of June? CVS Pharmacy Twitter account. And let's see here. 19 minutes ago, they did talk about a COVID-19 vaccine and a sweepstakes that they're offering. That from CVS Pharmacy. CVS also has CVS Health as a Twitter account. And not much coming from there at that Twitter account. And if I'm boring you, I'm sorry. I just thought it would be worthy of taking a little time here today to pick on some of these people for not doing a darn thing on Memorial Day weekend. One of our most important holidays. And they didn't do they, – they've got people on staff who are in charge of social media, and they didn't even take a time to, to acknowledge Memorial Day. From what I could see, I could be wrong, but from what I saw, nothing, nothing coming out. And Ford Motor Company, nothing at all today. Nothing different there. Costco. What about Costco? We talked about how they did not take the time to acknowledge Memorial Day on Monday. Costco today with um, – come on, load up here, Mr. Twitter, Mrs. Twitter, Twitter. I'll be general neutral. Uh, maybe they, they're the ones that also are like Apple. They don't tweet of any kind. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here with Microsoft. If you're looking for a job, I guess maybe these big companies have had the same problem that a lot of you are having. You can't find employees, and it looks like maybe some of these big companies don't have anybody handling their Twitter account because they're not taking the time to update. You'd think Twitter is about the easiest thing you can have today to update. 
big big responsibility that some of these companies evidently are falling down on the job with i don't see anything coming from microsoft today so if you're looking for a job you might want to harass some of these biggest companies in the entire country and say why are you not active on social media a little bit more and certainly not acknowledging our american heroes who have died in battle fighting for freedoms like twitter for for these companies to be able to go on twitter and social media and say or do whatever is on their mind We'll take a break. Come right back with you. We have a Southern accent. Kobe Bennett's going to be filing a Southern accent on the arts. That's up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. Sad news as Eric Carl, author and illustrator of The Very Hungry Caterpillar, passed away last week. Carl illustrated more than 70 children's books in his prolific career, most of which were written by him, and more than 145 million copies of his titles have been sold worldwide. The Very Hungry Caterpillar makes up for around 50 million of those copies and has been translated into 66 languages. Regarding the success of his iconic title, he said on the book's 50th anniversary, My friends and publishers and editors have been asking ourselves why The Very Hungry Caterpillar is so very successful. It took me a long time, but I think it is a book of hope. Children need hope. You little insignificant caterpillar can grow up into a beautiful butterfly and fly into the world with your talent rest in peace eric carl entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com all right good information and inspiring information coming from our own kobe bennett with a southern accent on the arts here on this tuesday y'all talk with a southern accent we have got one little segment left a quick look at some southern sports information we'll hit that right after the break here on talk about y'all this is the y'all show All right, we have come to the end of this Tuesday show all about the Southeast. As we wrap up, let's give you a quick update on sports NBA action for this Tuesday. Celtics and Nets continue their series from Barclays Center. The Nets, the homestanding Nets with a 3-1 margin. That game tips off 7.30 Brooklyn time on TNT. Trailblazers and Nuggets, that series knotted at two apiece. That game on NBA TV from Denver this Tuesday evening and then a game going on between the Lakers and Suns from Phoenix Suns Arena in the desert and the Suns and Lakers currently with a two game series tie as they're trying to make out what the world's going to be having on the NBA West side of things Atlanta Braves slugger Marcel Azuna in a heap of trouble he's posted a $20,000 bond on domestic violence charges Released from an Atlanta area jail. 
He was arrested after officers in the Atlanta suburb of Sandy Springs witnessed him attacking his wife, Genesis, while responding to a 911 call. And during his initial appearance today, or Monday rather, in Fulton County Magistrate Court, Ozuna ordered to have no contact with his wife. He did not answer questions from the media after he was released from jail. But likely, this Atlanta Braves slugger who re-signed with the team after a stellar first season in 2020, he recently agreed to a $65 million four-year deal for the Braves. Not likely to be suiting up anytime soon for the National League Ball Club. And then lastly, on Memorial Day, the national field set for the college baseball national championship. 64 teams selected. You had nine teams from the SEC selected to the postseason of college baseball. Eight from the ACC. The Arkansas Razorbacks, who won the SEC championships regular season and tournament title, are your number one overall seed. And college baseball's road to Omaha begins Friday at regional sites 16 across the land. And it's going to be a lot of fun covering that as we work our way to Omaha. I'm John Rawl signing off. Thank you for being a part of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We'll see you Wednesday.